Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. Today, we will be discussing action cartoons from the 1980s. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell everyone ahead of time, this has the potential to go off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) So sitting across from me is a cartoon connoisseur, Shannon Deaton. Shannon, how are you today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Ready to talk about some of these 80s action cartoons. Good stuff. Well, we have sat here and laughed for quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) in in getting this prepared. So uh, I think think the the listeners will enjoy this one. When thinking about uh, 80s action cartoons, I think there are two major ones that you know probably come to mind most often. That's G.I. Joe yeah. and Transformers. The Transformers, yeah. absolutely. But there were several more that were very popular, uh, but perhaps only had one to two seasons. Also, when you think 80s action cartoons, there were always two clearly defined teams. You had the good guys and you had the bad guys. Every cartoon had the hero as well as the evil leader and the henchman. A great example of this was He-Man. So Shannon uh, hit us with a little He-Man intro music here. And the masters of the universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull. Okay, so uh, a couple things here. I like the fact when he just says "fabulous secret power," <laughs> it just it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And then I like how random it is where he just says one day, yeah, just like it was just an accident, <laughs> like you know, oh, <laughs> I held aloft my sword <laughs> by the power of gray skull. <laughs> That's great. You have to absolutely just appreciate the these intros. I think so, too. Anyhow, uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was created in 1982 by Mattel, and the TV series began in 1983. He-Man was the heroic alter ego, as we just heard in the intro there, of Prince Adam, and he was tasked with protecting the land of Eternia, along with Battle Cat uh, and his friends Man-at-Arms, Manny Faces, and a little magician named Orko, a flying friend named <laughs> named. Stratos and <laughs> Tila, they fought the evil forces of Skeletor. So now Shannon asked me who Skeletor was. Jason, who was Skeletor? <clears throat> he was a demon from another dimension, Shannon. Uh, of course he was. <laughs> that, that's who Skeletor was. <laughs> and of course, Skeletor also had his buddies, and uh, uh, their names were uh, Beastman, Clawful, Merman, and Trapjaw. Oh, man. And I can honestly say, I think I think I had all those. I think I did, too. I'm pretty sure I had all those. Yeah. I, I think I'm least terrified of uh, Merman. Man, though, I think he's uh, kind of limited <laughs> what he could do. Every time I think of that, I think of Ben Stiller, Merman, Merman. <laughs> oh, <whatever>. yeah. <laughs> that never dawned on me at the time, but uh, yeah. And when it was time to fight, Prince Adam simply raised his magic sword and said, By the power of Gray Skull, I have the power. You know how crazy that sounds? <laughs> That's that's kind of insane, man. Yeah. Oh Lord. And as soon as he would say, "By the power of Gray Skull," and then it's like, "Wait a minute." Yeah. <laughs> I have the power, <laughs> and instantly Prince Adam uh, would turn to He Man, and his uh, jittery little pet would become Battle Cat. 
You know what's so crazy about that? People throw off on like uh, Batman because people can't recognize him, you know, his secret identity and everything, but he looks so much like himself. <laughs> Literally, this guy just took his shirt off. It's the same haircut. <laughs> it's the same, same haircut. He's, he's no, his voice is a little deeper, I guess. But And uh, yeah, they, they don't know that's their beloved Prince Adam, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is now He-Man. <laughs> you, look so, you look so similar to someone I know. Yeah. And, you know, all throughout the series, I've, I've seen uh, several of these episodes they um, are always like, well, where did Prince Adam go when we needed him? You know, and, and there's He-Man. It's just, it, but that happens like so often you would think, man, these people must have some kind of mental damage that they can't very, figure this out. They're not very perceptive, are they? One interesting note, uh, the creators of He-Man were actually sued by the creators of Conan the Barbarian. Uh, the Conan folks claimed that He-Man was based on their character, uh, but in the end, they did not win the case. So the, the, the He-Man folks won out on that but conan basically there for a time said hey wait a minute that guy's likeness is awfully you know awful lot like our character they're very similar yeah Yeah. so shannon uh what uh cartoon would you like to uh, go over next well the next one on the list here is one of the more popular 80s action cartoons and that is gi joe subtitled a real american hero did you have any of these toys growing up oh my gosh shannon i was of all the cartoons that we're talking about today probably like most kids this is the one that i most identified with oh yeah. i love gi joe yeah uh yeah i mean my cousin for christmas one time he got the the aircraft carrier if you remember the big I toy sure do. yeah and uh he he got that for christmas and i walked into his house like a day or two after christmas during the break and we just held each other and cried <laughs> we were so happy and we just sort of you know circled around the aircraft carrier for like 48 hours and never left the carpet we had a lot of fictitious battles there oh yeah it was oh, great i awesome. love gi joe i didn't know all their names i'd seen the cartoon but there were just so many different action figures and it didn't matter to me i'm like oh there's there's scuba dude and, and you know <laughs> that's exactly right here comes cowboy man i don't even know if there was a cowboy but I, you know in my in my mind i feel like i'm there sure there probably been. was <laughs> yeah so you know gi joe for over 50 years has been one of the most successful and inventive toy lines in american history uh, it was first created by hasbro as many of these toys were in 1964 the original gi joe and jason gi means government issue so government issue joe uh, included 12-inch figures representing the three branches of the U.S. Armed Forces. They didn't actually have names back then. Uh, they were just titled Action Soldier, which was, uh, you know, <laughs> representative of the U.S. Army. There was one called Action Sailor. You can guess the Navy. Right. Action Pilot, Air Force, and Action Marine, Marine Corps. Uh, a half-hour American television series was created by Ron Friedman, and it ran from 1983 to 1986. And it was one of the most successful Would you happen cartoons. to have a, have a little intro music you could hit us with there? Absolutely. Let's hear I some. I love uh, this one. <laughs> let's hear a little bit from G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. And I have to tell you, growing up, that was always my favorite uh, cartoon intro. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's actually a little bit, uh, a little part of that uh, that the listeners didn't listen to uh, or they, they heard at the beginning of it. It's actually focused on Cobra, right? It is. Which is the arch enemy of G.I. Joe. And, you know, there's it starts off, there's a guy with a very deep voice that just says, like, Cobra. <laughs> and then there's a guy in the back uh, as who, just, who just commits and yeah. just yells, Cobra! <laughs> Cobra! It just it's goes great. nuts. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I love that. Uh, that intro. I do too. Very 
nostalgic for me. Now, this uh, series was originally a spinoff of the toy commercials because the toy commercials were so popular. Now, can you imagine a toy commercial being so popular that they decide, hey, we're going to make uh, a series yeah, out of this television way around, commercial? Right? Yeah, it's, it's usually the other, other way around. I don't see, uh, you know, Billy Mays with his, uh, you know, OxyClean television uh, <laughs> yeah, right. show, you know, and spin off into the, the movies and those sort of things. But the plot was pretty straightforward. As you mentioned, you have good guys and you have bad guys. There's not a whole lot of gray area. G.I. Joe was the name of a special American fighting force tasked with combating a terrorist organization known as Cobra. They were the bad guys. And this was a little bit of a play on the Cold War. During the 1980s, the Cold War was raging between the Americans and the Soviets. And the Reagan era of patriotism helped G.I. Joe become a children's favorite. Now, I'll tell you right now, I knew nothing about any of that. I just knew G.I. Joe's were cool. You know? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know much about the politics behind it or what was going on. But you had your good guys. You had your bad guys. And they were just awesome. Now, the evil organization Cobra was almost named after the Soviet Union, Jason, when this was going on. The creators of G.I. Joe wanted Cobra to be a Soviet group attempting to infiltrate the U.S. And this was right in the midst of the Cold War. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, th- that would likely have not gone over very well with the Russians <laughs> to have a children's cartoon aimed at their demise and destruction. Right. <laughs> but also, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get the Cobra. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that sounds good with the, if it, the if it Soviets. Called something else. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you know, it wouldn't have been received well, and therefore the the terrorist organization Cobra was created instead. Now, one thing that was a little bit controversial about the show is that parents were very much aware that this was complete marketing. In fact, sometimes they would kill off characters that they weren't going to reintroduce into the toy line, not because it made sense from a plot perspective, but just because <laughs> we're not going to reprint Combat Bob anymore. Right. <laughs> So Guess in, what? In the Combat, toy Bob. Line, so <laughs> Combat Bob is is no more. But to, to sort, kind of offset this a little bit, to offset some of the parent complaints, at the end of each of the shows, they tried to add a little bit of value to the show. And you might remember the phrase, uh, and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Oh, yeah. There were these public service announcements that took place at the end of each episode. And uh, the topics included pretty straightforward things. Some of these were pretty good. Some were kind of corny, you know, and campy. But topics included not giving strangers your address, uh, explaining how to treat a nosebleed, not lying to people, those sort of things. And it would always start with a group of kids who were in a situation and, uh, you know, something was about to go down. They were about to get in trouble. They're getting ready to lie or or they've just busted their nose and, oh, no, it's a nosebleed. What do I do? (laughs) You know, and then just right on cue, one of the Joes would would fly in or dive in or or rappel in from, uh, you know, the ceiling somewhere (laughs) and just kind of pop in and say, uh, listen up, kids, you know, and he would just kind of give his public service announcement. And the kids would all say, and now we know. And then Joe would say, and knowing is half the battle. I I remember that (laughs) distinctly. I mean, I have seen hundreds of those. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite television shows on this list. So, Jason, what's up next? Another cool cartoon of the 80s was Mask. And so, Shannon, if you want to play a little intro music and go ahead and get the the fog lights and some of the smoke and some of like the big hair bands, go ahead and cue them up. Some All synthesizers right. because you're going to enjoy this, I've got the this intro going. music. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Here's Mask. Spectre! 
Shannon, in terms of musical quality, I think that the Mask theme song probably is the best. I mean, overall, it sounds just like something that Casey Case would be like, you know, uh, and, and this week, number 18, <laughs> Mask. It sounds like an, uh, just an 80s hair band rocking <laughs> anthem. I mean, this legitimately could have been a real song, I feel like, if it wasn't singing things like, uh, you know, Secret Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> overtime fighting crime. Yeah. You know? I, I like it. It's like, you know, we, we, we got to pay these guys overtime. It's like time and a half <laughs> yeah. because that's what it takes to fight the level of crime they're yeah. fighting. I, I think know? they're part of a union. They'd have to be. You know? <laughs> they, probably, they probably are. <laughs> so Mask, uh, Mask is one of those cartoons where a few people know what that was, but maybe not uh, like the majority of people. It's not sure. like necessarily mainstream. It's not He-Man. It's not He-Man. Uh, I loved it, you know, growing up. But Mask stands for Mobile Armored Strike Command. Of course it does. And commands with the K because it needed to be. <laughs> it had to be. <laughs> okay. So Mobile Armored Strike Command. And before we go any further, I, I want to have to admit that this was really my guilty pleasure as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I just absolutely, you know, love the show. I've got one of those on here too. Do you really? Yeah. Uh, it, it came out in 1985 and there were 75 episodes over two seasons based on the toys made by Kenner, Mask was a perfect hybrid between G.I. Joe and the Transformers uh, in that you had uh, human heroes, but they but they used vehicles that could transform into other vehicles to fight the evil organization known as Venom. And Shannon, I'll give you a certificate suitable for framing <laughs> if you can guess what Venom stands for. Man, I'm not even going to try it. Very excellent, notable, uh, omniscient. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, you were close. Okay, good. You <laughs> <laughs> You're close. It actually stands for, as as you know, naturally it would, vicious evil network of mayhem. <laughs> I'm going to say they started with the word venom and did exactly what I did. <laughs> they probably just spent more time thinking right. it through. That's right. It's venom. So you can see like that organization, like their their meeting, you know, like their <laughs> annual meeting. Now let's uh, let's take a really close look at our mission statement. Uh, we want to make sure that we're vicious. <laughs> Obviously, we're evil. Uh, there needs to be like more than one of us. So let me see. Uh, network. Yes, network. Right. We're going to network. <laughs> right. And then, of course, we just want to cause mayhem. So we're vicious, sure. evil network of mayhem. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, both the good guys and the bad guys use these high-powered futuristic helmets uh, that had certain powers as well as vehicles that could transform. Uh, the leader of Mask was Matt Tracker, while the leader of Venom was Miles Mayhem. Other characters included an I love some of these names. Uh, Cliff Dagger, <laughs> Lester Sludge, Bruce Magic Sato. Wait, what? Bruce Magic Sato. Now I get like Dagger and Sludge. Those are those are kind of names. Yeah, but no, but Ma Magic what? Oh, his middle name is Magic. His middle his name last is Magic. Name. Oh, it, that was his okay. You know, code name or something. Yeah, Bruce Magic Sato. All right, I'm with you. Uh, Dusty Hayes and then Hondo McLean. <laughs> Just, I mean, those names are just, just absolutely classic. That's great. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the show is that Mask's uh, secret hideout was a gas station, of all things. <laughs> I thought the coolest thing in the world <laughs> was when the gas pumps turned into like these laser cannons. I mean, it was pure genius. Oh, and man. So there was like probably six months of my life. Every time I pull up to a gas station with my parents, I thought, maybe this is it. <laughs> maybe those gas pumps will actually be. These are the ones. <laughs> will be lasers, yeah. So did you ever watch this cartoon or have any of the, the toys associated with it i had none of the toys but whenever you started reading some of the the names there it started coming back to me a little bit this was a part of my childhood i blocked out 
<laughs> just a little bit. But that theme song coupled with some of those names, especially yeah. Cliff Dagger and the um, – who, who were the guys? Miles uh, – uh, uh, Miles Mayhem. Miles Mayhem, yeah. yeah. Some of those names just kind of brought it back to me a little bit. And they, they had these helmets, and they would just ride around. And, yeah, uh, and the helmets yeah, were, were sort of connected to – yeah. The yeah. helmets were connected like to the vehicle somehow. And, and uh, you know, some of that stuff I had you – know, probably, I, honestly, I, I would have been dead and buried and never would have remembered it again. But going right. back and research, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing about the toys that when you when you buy the vehicles, the vehicles were sort of you know sort of average size, but the the action figures themselves were very small. I oh. mean, I don't know necessarily how how tall they were, but I mean, we're talking like three inches maybe. Okay. I mean, they were they were very small. They they, they were noticeably smaller than like a Star Wars action figure or a GI Joe action gotcha. figure. Yeah. Uh, basically, you're buying for the equipment, the 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 vehicles, right? You know, from the but from the cartoon, but the action figures themselves were were pretty pretty small okay. uh, as best I can remember awesome yeah but I absolutely loved the show overall I thought it was a really good blend and obviously G.I. Joe was popular Transformers was popular let's kind of meet let's put it together let's kind of meet in the middle yeah. somewhere right and and it was successful for a while so Shannon what do you have up next I have the infamous Transformers Jason uh, again one of the tops of the list If you're, I think if you're thinking about 80s action cartoons again this was a half hour American animated robot superhero series uh, as they called it <laughs> So you can be robots and superheroes. It's that perfect blend and marriage of technology versus supernatural powers and abilities right. and all these sort of things. And it aired between 1984 and 1987. The series was famous for depicting these giant robots that could transform into vehicles and other objects and pretty much anything you can name or imagine. Okay, so so keeping with their, uh, our theme here, what about the, the music for, for the Transformers here? Yeah, let's hear a lick of the Transformers <laughs> theme song. Here, here we go. Jason, what I love about that theme song is it tells you exactly anything you would want to know, you know, about the Autobots, the Decepticons, and it's they put it in song format, like they're singing something, but it's almost like they're just reading from a dictionary. <laughs> it's it, absolutely, it's like you know, uh, they are more than meets the eye. Yeah. So there's some kind of trick going on, right? There's there's something different about them. And the Autobots are going to destroy the Decepticons, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I mean, everything else are just really details, yeah. but that's the gist. It's of just the story. all fluff. I yeah. mean, give me that on a screen for thirty minutes, I'm going to be a happy. Oh, I was happy. Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this, the series, as with most of the series on this list, was again based on Hasbro's Transformers toy line, which was based uh, itself on the Japanese toy lines called Diaclone and Microman. Uh, the Microman series was the eastern descendant of the G.I. Joe action figure series. So hmm. you see a lot of overlap here. By 1984, U.S. regulators had removed many of the restrictions regarding the placement of these promotional content ads within children's television programs. So I think it's no secret why all of a sudden we see a boom of these cartoon series that were based on these toys, because previous to this, you couldn't advertise to children. There were a lot of heavy regulations saying that um, there was only so much that you could put into these children's television shows. But when that regulation was listed, uh, lifted, lo and behold, you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe's, right. all the things. A little thing in America we like to call capitalism. <laughs> capitalism, uh, yes. Uh, An was, entrepreneurial was in full spirit. Swing. That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the plot of this was very straightforward. And, uh, you know, it's just the Autobots, which are the good guys. We always have good and bad. And then the De- the Decepticons, they were the bad guys. Deceptive. deceptive they were deceptive. Creatures. Right? It was in yep. the name, right? Yep. You know? Uh, so the leader of the Autobots was uh, a robot named Optimus Prime. And the leader of the Decepticons was a robot named Megatron. Couldn't get more yep. straightforward than that. The rough draft for Transformers was originally produced by Marvel Comics editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the story followed two warring factions, as we mentioned. And uh, to flesh out this concept, Jim Shooter called on veteran editor Dennis O'Neill to create character names and profiles for the cast. Unfortunately, Dennis's profiles and backstories didn't really set well with uh, Hasbro's expectations. So they called uh, on Dennis O'Neill to, to do some revisions, and he refused. <laughs> he said, nope, oh, wow. I have a clear vision for uh, what Transformers should be. And uh, I'm just going to walk and walk. He did. So they hired a gentleman by the name of Bob Budansky, and he wrote some revisions over the weekend. And all those revisions were a hit with Hasbro. So just in a couple days, he wrote the storyline for all of these Autobots and Decepticons that we know of today. Wow, that's 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 interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now this this really you know we talked about toy lines. Transformers are everywhere. I mean, oh yeah. You know, th- this was one that during my childhood you couldn't go to Walmart. You couldn't go to a garage sale. You couldn't look under your bed without finding just a handful of these things. And it, you know, there was a lot of off brands too because these oh, yeah. these you know mainstream transformers generally would transform into cars and jets and all these things. But you go to McDonald's and, and you're finding hamburgers. You know, they transform transform into hamburgers and French fries and, and all this sort of thing. Mega burger. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Deceptive fry. That's great. So one thing that Transformers was criticized for, at least in the beginning, during its first season, is that its animation was really inconsistent. And of course, as a child, I didn't notice any of this. I just enjoyed the show (laughs) for what it was. But going back and looking at some of those early scenes, you can really see that even the characters between scenes themselves, not even like different episodes, (laughs) were drawn dramatically different. At one time, there were seven different animation studios contracted to rush the show to production. And some of them, Jason, were just working on individual scenes within the same episode. Can you imagine seven different teams oh my gosh. <laughs> working to build a 30-minute episode? Some of them just drafting five minutes of footage at a time and then at the end, splicing all of this together. This caused a lot of sloppy animation, a few embarrassing mistakes, most notably one I never noticed as a child, but it certainly happened. Sometimes they would draw the wrong emblem on the characters. And, for example, the Autobots would have a Decepticons logo on their chest or vice versa. Yeah. I I don't think I ever really noticed that either, but I'm sure there were some kids that did. I I guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. So this was such a popular series that it went on to be made into an animated movie in 1986. And there were some controversies with the movie as well, because like we mentioned with G.I. Joe, anytime they wanted to refresh their toy line and come out with some new characters, they would automatically, you know, go to the show and say, well, you know, we we don't like this person anymore, so we're not going to print their toys. We're going to kill them off in the show. This (laughs) this person's engine must stop, right? (laughs) That's right. So I have a kind of a long quote here, but I think it's uh, interesting that describes the Transformers animated movie. It's by an author named Ryan Lambie from Den of Geek. And this article came out just at the end of last year. And he's describing the experience of being in the theater in 1986, watching this animated film when, and I'm not going to spoil it just yet. This quote's going to spoil it for you. But there's a major character death within the film itself. 
So here's the quote. When parents took their kids to see Transformers the movie in 1986, they probably weren't expecting quite as much death and mayhem. But in the feature-length spinoff from the hit Hasbro toy line and accompanying TV show, the specter of death was everywhere. One early scene alone saw the evil Decepticons hijack an Autobot space shuttle and execute all the heroes inside. It was fairly strong stuff for an animated movie at the time, but it was as nothing, nothing compared to the shock of what happened to Optimus Prime. In the midst of a pitched battle, which saw Autobots struck down left and right, Prime engaged in a brutal fight with Megatron. At first, it looked like the kind of confrontation we'd seen in the TV series a dozen times. Lots of cool-sounding mottos, such as, one shall stand, one shall fall. Punches and stray laser blasts. You know, the old classic pew pew. Oh, yeah. That was that was everywhere. <laughs> but as the fight wore on, there were odd signs that things were about to get nasty. Prime is stabbed in the abdominal area, first with what appears to be a huge piece of shrapnel, and then a laser sword. But then something shocking happened. Megatron shot Prime repeatedly in the chest. By the end of the fight, Megatron and Prime were both left in a crumbled heap on the floor. In a scene that no doubt left its mark on entire theaters full of wide-eyed kids, Prime died on an operating table, the matrix of leadership falling from his hands and his once vivid red paint fading to a sullen gray. End quote. Man, Golly. I'm devastated just reading that. Man, it's going to take a little intense. more popcorn to make that go away. Right? <laughs> yeah. I can just see parents watching this movie and expecting just the good natured, you know, fight between good and evil. And lo and behold, <coughs> you know, and this is, just isn't any Autobot. This is Optimus this Prime. This is the, the Autobot. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching that movie and at the end of it, I, you know, I remember thinking, why would they do that? Right. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like sad or like yeah. emotional or anything, but I just remember, you know, just remember thinking it. like, what now? Like, yeah. that's a horrible way to do it, you know. But right. so it's, yeah, I get it. You're sort of conditioned in a way when you watch these movies to see the characters come back. The good guys always oh, win. Yeah, absolutely. Always. All the time. Right? You know. But anyway, that that sort of uh, is Transformers in a nutshell. Certainly one that stuck with me throughout my childhood. One that's still popular. There's the Michael Bay films, which has yep. recently been created to mixed reviews. I, I don't think anything's going to top the cartoons for me. So, Jason, what's next up on the list? The next cartoon, uh, which honestly was not all that popular, but I think is worthy of mentioning, was called Cops. Have you ever heard of that, Shannon? I uh, Yes. Uh, but again, it's one of those that until we took the trip down memory lane to research the episode, I completely forgot about. But yes, it, it is uh, one that I watched when I was growing up. If you don't mind, Shannon, go ahead and play that uh, music so maybe some folks can uh, reconnect to their childhood back to the, to, I think, to the late 80s here. Let's hear it. Cops. Central organization of police specialists fighting crime in a future time. Protecting Empire City from Big Boss and his gang of crooks. Shannon, that theme, that, that that intro there just seems so deadpan. You know, there's not a lot of bells and whistles. It's just, you know, cops. It's almost like you could see like police officers in the back, like on typewriters or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it's not a lot to it. It just basically tells you what's going on. feels like an opening to Law and Order or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it does. That's exactly what it feels like. You just yeah. expect to hear that. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, COPS stands for, because uh, you know, we have to have an acronym, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a necessity. So COPS stands for Central Organization of Police Specialists. And this was simply a cartoon uh, about cops and crooks. Uh, the cartoon debuted in 1988, and the tagline was Fighting Crime in a Future Time, which is pretty cheesy. <laughs> but but they went with it. But one interesting point about that is that uh, in the cartoon, this future time they refer to is yeah. actually the year 2020. Jason, we're in 2020. What about that? Right. So I'm, <laughs> I'm meant to be, man. That I'm, I'm expecting to see some of these uh, you know, yeah. police tactical uh, units like, like I saw. In, I was in the actually cartoon. thinking about starting a special <laughs> operation of some sort. You know, well, maybe, it's, well, it's we time. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely we're time. past due. Actually, <laughs> yeah, should have happened about two weeks ago. Yeah. So you know, as you would expect, both camps, uh, the good guys and the bad guys, were led by strong leaders, uh, as is the case in pretty much all of the cartoons that we're that we're talking about here today. The cops were led by a character codenamed Bulletproof, and I think that's the voice that that you hear in the intro there, while the bad guys were led by just simply Big Boss. That's his name, (laughs) Big Boss. They ran out of ideas. All the creative juices poured into that name, Cops, what it stands for. Who are we going to name the villain? I'm exhausted. He's big. He's the boss, big boss. He's big boss. He's sort of the the kingpin. And of course, all of these you know battles and standoffs they took place uh, in the uh, fictional city called Empire City. Right. I thought the show was a little different in that it featured uh, you know cops and crooks, and uh, it wasn't a super military force like GI Joe or some supernatural power like in He Man. It was just the police and the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, another po- uh, or cool point uh, is that each episode of Cops was titled "The Case of Some." Something. Something, yeah. And even as a kid, I remember enjoying the consistency of those episode titles. Uh, and and I never, and again, I never really thought about that again until doing some research for this. But yeah. I, I clearly remember liking that part of the TV show. And then, of course, when I was doing some of the research, that was actually mentioned. So I thought that was kind of a, a unique thing. I don't really remember another cartoon doing that necessarily. No, whenever you mentioned that, though, a uh, side note brought to mind a series of early childhood books called Hank the Cow Dog. Yeah, you re- oh, yeah. remember those? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, and I remember. They started the same way. The case of you know the car barkaholic. I remember right. Was yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's a cool way to kind of build consistency and connect yeah. to an audience, especially kids. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, as far as character names, no cartoon tops cops. All right. right. We have some. We have some winners right here in terms of names. <laughs> so we had Berserko. We had Rock Crusher, spelled with a K. Oh, yeah. Miss Demeanor. Oh, okay, so, I got so, you. See so what they did there? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool there. <laughs> Miss Demeanor. Uh-huh. Uh, Dr. Bad Vibes. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, and I kid you not, <laughs> Buttons McBoom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was an actual character name. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Buttons McBoom Boom should have either been a good guy or yeah. the leader. You know, not yeah. not big boss there right. or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. So you uh, could tell they were just scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. So that was cops. Again, it was uh, it was way different uh than some of the other cartoons at the time. I think that's probably why it had some appeal, at least there for for one episode or, sure. know, or a couple. Yeah. Uh but uh but yeah, I think definitely worth worth mentioning. So next up on the list is my guilty pleasure. You said mask is one that you used to <laughs> yeah. watch. The one that I used to watch was something called Dino Saucers. Uh-oh. And here we go. Oh, it, it's very interesting. Don't hold back now. Just let it go. 
I, I feel a tear forming a little bit here. <laughs> Do you really? We're, we're going to walk down memory lane a little bit. Uh, but just a little bit of background on the show. It was an animated television series co-produced in the U.S. and Canada. So it had a okay. little bit of flair from both. Uh, it originally aired in syndication in the U.S. in 1987 by Coca-Cola Telecommunications, which I found interesting. There were a total of 65 episodes that were made for the show's first run, and it only lasted one season. There were a lot of these. I mean, when you look at a lot of these shows, I've noticed there's a lot that 65 to 75 episodes, one season, sometimes two. So now I'll have to admit, I am not familiar with this. So, so I I have no idea for a treat. I have no idea what the theme, what the intro sounds like on this. I really don't. The theme is one of my favorites just for nostalgia purposes. It's probably not one of the best composed, but it starts out with a little bit of exposition (laughs) that tells you exactly what the story's about. Well, well, that's what I need today. (laughs) I want to hear that. It goes like this. We used to be four ordinary teenagers until one day we met some new friends from out of town. They were called Dinosaurs. My friends and I became the secret scouts, allies to these dinosaurs from outer space, and joined in their battles against Genghis Rex and the evil Tyrannos. Jason, my favorite part there is when he says that he met his new friends from out of town. (laughs) (laughs) I like how he he put particular emphasis on that, like, hey, Shannon, I met some new friends the other day from out of town. (laughs) (laughs) You can almost see him just sort of narrowing his eyebrows a little bit, you know, giving a little bit of a wink just to show you. Hey, if you didn't notice by the title, Dino Saucers, there's some space elements going on here. (laughs) I imagine so. These folks aren't from around here. So there were uh, original plans to release a dinosaur saucers toy line. Of course there were. And these <laughs> prototype figures were produced. However, the line was scrapped after the show was canceled. Now, before we get to the plot, let me give you some of the ideas for some of the names of the, the dinosaurs here. We had Stego. And of course, they were all somewhat based on the actual dinosaurs that they sure. presented. We had Bronto Thunder. <laughs> oh, that's You can stop right there. Oh, that's, yeah. that's my favorite. <laughs> oh, but it goes on, my friend. Bronto Thunder. <laughs> so there was Aloe, you know, pr- pretty straightforward. Uh, bonehead. Okay. Uh, Plesio. All right. <laughs> Quackpot. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was that? Uh, uh, Quackpot of the uh, Quackpotesius line of dinosaur. No, I have no idea. Oh. I don't know where Quackpot comes from. Uh, Ankleo. And, of course, Genghis Rex, who was uh, one of the bad guys. Genghis Rex main bad guy. main bad guy. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he was a T-Rex. So, in terms of the plot, uh, it revolves around the planet Reptilon. And it is, <laughs> of course, it does. <laughs> That's right? good. Yeah. Uh, it orbits the sun. And, and they got really technical with this, okay? There's some scientific... Uh, terminology in here. Okay, so just stick with me. The planet Reptilon orbits the sun in the opposite position from Earth, rendering it undetectable to astronomers. So the idea behind this series was that Reptilon and Earth are twin planets. They started out identical, exactly the same, but one was on the other side of the sun, so we could never actually see it, right? So they were developing at exactly the same pace, same sequence of events occurred, but unlike Earth, Reptilon was not hit by an asteroid 65 million years ago. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give it to them. That's at least interesting. I they was thought it out. That last 30 right? seconds, I was really interested in that story. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give them that. So basically, dinosaurs did not become extinct on planet Reptilon, and we get to see what would have happened on the other side of the sun had this planet gone unchecked. 
you know, just like Earth. So on Reptilon, the dinosaurs survived. They developed into an intelligent species capable of interplanetary space flight. So they're a little bit more advanced than humans, apparently. The show follows the battle between Reptilon's bad Tyrannos, so those are the bad guys, and the good Dinosaucers, and also a group of human kids, because of course we got to have some humans, you know, just to kind of oh, even yeah. things out a little bit. And they were called the Secret Scouts, and uh, they get swept up in all of this drama between the the two warring factions. And according to the opening credits, which we just uh, listened to, the human ki- kids met the dinosaurs when they first arrived and gained magical powers through the r- use of rings. And if you watch the opening, it's it's just kind of bizarre. I mean, these kids just happen upon this alien spacecraft landing. Here come the dinosaurs. They sort of descend from the spaceship and they just start passing out these magic rings. I mean, those kids could have been anybody. <laughs> That's Jason. right. It's your lucky day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, the human kids uh, are named after the relatives of the show's creator. Uh, David was named after his son. He's one of the main protagonists. Sarah, named after his daughter. Paul, named after his brother. And Ryan, named after his cousin. Now, this is one of those shows, like I said, that was just a personal favorite of mine. And Jason, I'm going to share a a little bit of a background story of something I experienced when I was a kid. Okay. And and I remember this so vividly. It's it's almost, it's just one of those wild things. So as a child, I I had a fever one time. All right. And and no cowbell. I know. I knew I (laughs) Sorry, face. It was all I could do. I'm just, I just said it. I was going to, I was going to blow up. Unless I said it. <laughs> so I had a fever. <laughs> do you have a cure for it, sir? Oh man. But I remember when I had that fever, I had a dream about the dinosaurs. Okay, so <laughs> take of a fever. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad fever. <laughs> so I fell asleep. I started dreaming about the dinosaurs, and in the dream, I was watching the Tyrannos break into the base of the dinosaurs, and uh, the Tyrannos leader Genghis Khan was wearing this dark black armor, something he didn't wear in the show. So this was <laughs> this was my mind at work. All right, this this is what happens <laughs> when you're sitting on 104 degrees. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I just remember the base of the dinosaurs, cr- uh, dinosaurs just sort of crumbling and, and finally getting destroyed in this dream. And when I woke up, I never saw dinosaurs on television again. And I thought that my dream had somehow destroyed the show. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> that took a dark turn. It, it kind of did. <laughs> and I have to say, to this day, I mean, I, I had never thought about dinosaurs really since then. You know, so I had that dream. The, the, the base was destroyed in the dream. I woke up. For whatever reason, it wasn't on television anymore. I never could find it. Years and years go by. We start researching this episode. And then all of a sudden, I, I get reacquainted <laughs> with the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I killed them. (laughs) That's right. In my dreams. (laughs) That's what happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I remember. Yeah. So that that's kind of dinosaurs. Uh, Jason, what's up next? <laughs> the, the next cartoon is called Brave Star. And while the premise of the cartoon is unique, it has perhaps the worst intro I've ever heard. <laughs> and it sounds like someone uh, just woke Will Ferrell from a deep sleep and just like crammed a, uh, a poem in his chest for him to read. So, Shannon, go ahead and play the uh, intro to Brave Star. Let's hear Brave Star. One day, a lawman appeared with powers of pop, wolf, puma, and bear. Protector of peace, mystic man from afar. Champion of justice, mortal Brave Star. <laughs> okay, Shannon, I like the cartoon, but but going back and listening to that intro, uh, wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was kind of rough. That was, that was kind of bad. 
<laughs> Nevertheless, pretty good, uh, pretty good show. Uh, basically, Brave Star uh, is a space western set in the 23rd century. Of course, the cartoon actually debuted in 1987, uh, but it is set in the 23rd century in a faraway planet called New Texas. The main character is Marshall Brave Star, as we just <laughs> as we just heard, who tries to maintain order by fighting the bad guy and his arch enemy Tex Hex. Brave Star did have a little bit of uh, supernatural power, uh, sort of like He Man, where in times of need, Brave Star could call upon the powers of certain animals and magically just be bestowed those characteristics. Right. So uh, these powers included, you know, eyes of the hawk, ears of the wolf, strength of the bear, and speed of the puma. <laughs> And, and one part, which is kind of funny, but but it, you know, I joke, but I really enjoyed that cartoon. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the premise of it was was cool, and the one thing I can remember about that cartoon in particular, and I don't know why, but they had like a like a uh, sort of a different kind of currency uh, huh. in that cartoon, and people used it for money, but it, it could also literally be used for like fuel. So it was almost like a mineral, like gold or something, but but they used it for money, but it could also be used for like you know gas and fuel for their vehicles, and it uh-huh. was. Called and the name of it was Carium. That was the name of the this mineral was Carium. And and that was a big part of the cartoon is that people would try to mine Carium. And it was almost like mining gold. You know, that huh, was sort of the yeah. connection to the to the wild, wild west. And you have these marauders that would try to take over these Carium mines and everything. But I just remember that in particular. Uh, but really cool uh, cartoon overall. You know, that that's one on the list that I've never seen. But I have an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me about this. Go, yeah. go right ahead. So we talked about all the different toy lines that we had, G.I. Joe, He-Man, and I knew what those were growing up. When I saw an action figure, and and not a doll, Jason, these were action <laughs> figures, right. figures yeah. of action. That's sir. right. <laughs> I would, uh, I knew what they were. You know, I knew, I knew He-Man, I knew Skeletor, I, I knew G.I. Joe, but I had these two other action figures, and growing <laughs> up, they just looked cool. One was a cowboy, the other one was this zombie martial looking oh, yeah. crazy man. Tex-Hex. Tex-Hex, Apparently, right. yep. and I, I never seen the show. I've still yet to see the show. I, I, whenever we were researching the episode, I watched a little bit of the intro, and then all of a sudden, I just had this epiphany. The clouds <laughs> parted. You know, the 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 blackness, the the cloud of destroying the dinosaurs lifted, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I just saw these two images. I saw Brave Star. I saw Tex Hex, and I knew immediately, Jason. It, it was just a revelation after twenty <laughs> some odd years. Those were the toys that I had. And man, did they go on some adventures. <laughs> they sure did. I had no idea they were from New Texas, though. That's or, right. Or that, is this like a different planet or something? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was okay. a, different, a different planet. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Pretty cool. So, Shannon, I think you may have uh, one final cartoon I sure that do. we'll talk about. So, what is that one? The last one I have is uh, a cartoon that I'm very fond of, and it is called Thundercats. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let's go ahead and begin with the theme music on this one. Let's do it. Jason, when I hear that music, I feel like I'm at a high school pep rally. I'm just like thunder, thunder. Th- I just see the cheerleaders. <laughs> <They're loose. laughs> you have to be, yeah, they're loose. 
The loose. It's good, man. I, I used to, I, I never saw this on TV, but I had a VHS cassette and uh, I used to go to the video rental store and I would rent this. <laughs> I had no idea where it came from if I wanted to find it on TV, but I just remember this uh, image of a lion standing on the front. He had this flaming red hair and he's holding up this sword. And I'd find out later that his name was Lion-O because, of course, they're all named after, you know, the type of right. cat that they are. But the original television series debuted in 1989. I'm sorry, 1985. And it was produced by a company called Rankin Base Animated Entertainment. And the series follows the adventures of a group of cat-like humanoid aliens because they're all aliens in the 80s. <laughs> right. right. They have to be. They have to be. It's required. They live on a planet called Third Earth. And the show begins with the cat's home planet, which is called Thundera. It dies. So the cats have to seek a new home. And as the cats are fleeing, they get attacked by their enemies, uh, the mutants of Plundar, who are after the Sword of Omens. Now, I know I just threw a lot of mythology there at you, Jason. <laughs> so let's unpack that a bit. The Sword of Omens is that sword that we were talking about at the beginning, the one that Lionel raises up and, you know, it oh, contains yeah. all the power. And uh, it gets the Thundercats all of the power um, that is represented in the show. And it's later pursued by the supervillain of the show. So we've got the mutants of Plundar, who are originally after the, the Thundercats. Actually, what they want is the sword, because it contains all the power of the Thundercats. But then we have this supervillain of the show. Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah, this guy actually, like, honest to God, scared me. Yeah. This this guy, is, uh, he, he's kind of strange. And he, his name was Mum-Ra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, he uh, partners up with the mutants of Plundar, and collectively, they all go up against the Thundercats. And there's several weird things about this show, just in general, you know. Um, first of all, the kid, Lion-O, starts out as, a, as just like a 10, 11-year-old, you know, something like what we would think of as a 10 or 11-year-old human. Uh, but whenever they're flying through space, they somehow start aging, all right? So whenever the show actually really gets going, after all the exposition and everything gets started, <clears throat> Lion-O is now a fully grown adult lion, but he still sort of has, has the mindset of a child. And, and that's sort of the premise of the show. And it's kind of like that new DC movie that came out. I don't know if you've seen this. One. It's called Shazam. Uh, I did, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's very similar. It is similar to that, yeah. Yeah, so so you have the adult hero who has the mind of a child, and this originated with, well, I don't know if it originated, but it certainly came before Shazam, right. uh, and that was the idea that was present within the Thundercats. Now, a lot of strange things going on in the Thundercats. Not only did they fight Plundar and Mumra and all those sort of <laughs> things, um, there was at least a couple moments that kind of give hardcore diehard fans pause, you know, and, and not pause in the scratchy kitten sense. I mean, like, like, whoa, what, like, what is going on? Like, Hold up. <laughs> what is this? So, Jason, there was an episode titled The Garden of Delights, and there was a character uh, named Tigra. Uh, of course, he's a oh, tiger. Yeah. Yep. And during the episode, Tigra falls into a crack in the earth and finds a talking plant known as Silky. Silky offers Tigra a yellow fruit to eat, which is actually, <laughs> for lack of a, a better term, a, sort of a hallucinogenic drug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Now, of course, in the show, they don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. But we figure it out uh, because, you know, he starts <laughs> sprouting flowers from his body. He starts sort of, you know, spinning out of control. And it's very clear. He's tripping. What's going on? <laughs> oh, <laughs> heavily. I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't remember this part. <laughs> so <laughs> Neither did he. Probably. No, yeah. This is something he's long forgotten. Yeah. yeah he, he wanted to keep his supply going. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So uh, to keep his supply of this yellow fruit, because he by the end of the show, he becomes heavily addicted, uh, he agrees to help Mum-Ra take the Sword of Omens from the group's leader, Lionel. So he agrees to betray his friend in order to keep oh continue getting supply. I, I, I don't remember this part, and, and, and I really enjoyed this cartoon. That's, yeah. that's, that's interesting. I, didn't I think that. that was in one of the, the early seasons, um, huh. which a lot of fans consider the earlier seasons to, to be much stronger than the later seasons. It started to get a little bit more ridiculous. Oh, really? You know, starting out, the sword just had a few different powers that it would grant the team. But it seemed like it started to act almost as a, a plot device. By the end, you know, the the cats would be in these impossible situations. And, and lo and behold, you know, the sword would always have an answer kind or a power. Out, right? Yeah, that, that would take care of them. I think one time Lionel's kind of tied up and there's, there's no escape. He's on a different planet. There's nothing he can do. He's literally getting ready to be devoured or blown up or destroyed in some way. And the sword just lifts up off the ground and flies to him, you know, across the universe through space, lands in his hand. He cuts himself loose. And of course, he he cuts everybody down. Wow. So that's just one example of the many times the sword just gets used as a, just a plot device to, to get him out of trouble. Another strange moment occurred in an episode titled Sword in a Hole. And this is kind of a, an inconsistency in the logic of the show. Lionel, our main character, enters a black hole to retrieve the Sword of Omens. Because it's always about the Sword of Omens. Right. Right? So the show has established up to this point that the cats breathe oxygen. This is evidenced by the fact that they use scuba gear when diving underwater. <laughs> and also that they must be protected from extreme temperatures because they wear thermal suits when exploring snowy snowy environments. Right? So they breathe oxygen. They, there's nothing supernatural about the way that they survive the cold weather. And yet, in this episode, Lionel enters a black hole. He flies through the the negative 400 degree Fahrenheit <laughs> of space, and he doesn't have a space suit. He doesn't have oxygen. He's barely wearing a sleeveless outfit and just his uh, lion briefs. Okay. <laughs> that's all. So, you know, there's, there's just some inconsistencies in the episode, and it sort of violates the logic of the entire show. But I will say, you know, to the show's credit, it was always very exciting. It's, yeah. it's one of those shows. Shows that there was a lot of action, there was a lot of adventure, and the gimmick of naming the characters after the different tigers, or, or rather the different cats. You know, you had Tigra, Lino, Panthro. Panthro, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of those. It just resonated with me as a kid. It yeah. certainly resonated with the toy companies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they sold a lot of toys. <laughs> I had a few of those, yeah. for sure. I did. Yeah, I did, too. And I had the sword. Oh, did you really? Did, I had a little, you know how, the, like, in, in the cartoon, like, if, if he says, you know, thunder, thunder, and it, it gets yeah. bigger and bigger, you know, yeah. it's really like a dagger almost, like, Okay. At, you know, at, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I had. It was just it was just a really you know cheap gray plastic sword, but it looked just like that. Now, did the mutants <coughs> of Plundar ever come looking for you? Not or or not at my house. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's great. I never had any problems. Good deal. So, Jason, we asked our listeners to rank their favorite '80s action cartoons, and we have the results that we're going to share on the episode here right at the end. And we had these uh, eight cartoons listed on our social media account, and we have the results. So, Jason, how how do all of these stack up? Uh, Shannon, you know I love uh, lists, right? Like, I've heard that. Like yeah. rank order. We, we do that from time to time. I, I really enjoy that. So first, I want to uh, talk about two honorable mentions. You know, on this survey, we did have a spot for other. Right. And so we had uh, at least a couple of people that utilized that that other option. Uh, one of them, 
Uh, I love this cartoon, but it probably wasn't like along the theme of like the '80s action cartoons, right. but with Scooby Doo. Oh man! <laughs> and and it's funny because uh, and we were talking before we started recording today, and you know we we have you know we we did a podcast on the Cold War. We did. You know we've done one on time travel. Yeah. You know, serious got topics. Into, right. Got into physics. Right. You know, we interviewed a mass murderer. You know, for Halloween. <laughs> you know, and right. now and now we're we're talking <clears throat> we're talking about Scooby Doo. <laughs> Oh, how ye mighty have fallen, yes. Jason. <laughs> That's right. We used to be hardcore journalists, so, and now, now I'm having to defend Scooby-Doo's honor. Right. I love Scooby-Doo. Uh, you know, probably not going to make the list for, for, for 80s action cartoons, True. but I love Scooby-Doo. Uh, one that easily could have, and I just think maybe we just didn't look in this direction yeah. just because of, I guess, maybe the, the characters involved in it, right. obviously, uh, is the Super Friends. Oh, uh, yes. Batman, That's Superman. Right. So, obviously, that one was a huge one. I, I had a lot of those characters. I watched the I watched the cartoon, loved it. That was one of my probably three or four favorite cartoons uh, growing up. Me too. And the bad guys were the Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom, <laughs> yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that that was a that was a great cartoon. So of the eight that we covered here today, in terms of voting, tying for uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, all receiving the same number of votes, we had Brave Star, Cops, Dinosaurs, and Mask. Man, so those I, four I all received a little bit on that. I thought Dinosaurs was, was going to take it all but yeah not really <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure it got one vote right at, le- at, at least, least one, it got at, my at vote. least your vote right yeah yeah so so uh yeah so five through eight there we had uh, uh brave star cops dinosaurs and mask all tying and those were kind of the, the b cartoons they were away so that makes sense to me a- absolutely and yeah. that was one of the things that we discussed is that you know we probably could have identified it like super friends or maybe one other cartoon but th- yeah. these were the ones that were you know only only around for an episode or for a season or two sure uh, so uh, we also had a tie for second, third, and fourth place, and those were GI Joe, He Man, and Transformers. Okay, so, so sort of moving up in terms right, of yeah. you know mainstream. Clearly, so. you have sort of a top half and a bottom half right yeah, here. Yeah, there's a social structure when that's, it comes to eighties action. Cartoons. That's right. <laughs> and then in number one, which which actually kind of shocks me a little bit, uh, the, the the clear winner uh, receiving the most votes uh, on this survey uh, was the Thundercats. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Yeah, that's right. And I, <laughs> yeah. I thought it would have been He Man. Or I'm sorry, uh, GI Joe. I would have thought too. Uh, but so GI Joe, He Man, and Transformers finished uh, a tie for second, third, and fourth right there, and then number one, Thundercats. All right, I'm I'm, I'm in for that. I like Thundercats. Good stuff. Shane, I think this just about wraps up this episode. So anything else you'd like to add? No, I really enjoyed this one, Jason. This, uh, you know, the research was just pleasant. I mean, going back, revisiting all these childhood memories, thinking back through how these stories have evolved over time. Some of them have gone on to be uh, movie adaptations. Some have gone back into comic book form. Some have been reinvented in cartoon format. It was just really fun. This is one of those. It's, it's not the Cold War. It's not the science of time travel. But I think it's going to resonate with a lot of folks. It certainly did with me. Absolutely. So I would just like uh, to thank all of our listeners for joining us on this episode and all of the episodes. I would encourage you, if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing. Leave us a rating and a review. You can catch us on social media with the handle at SlapdashPod. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time. And Shannon, now you know. And Jason, knowing is half the battle. (laughs) Cobra! (laughs) Ha ha ha!